Welcome to the Newsbusters podcast with your host, executive editor of Newsbusters, Tim Graham. Hello and welcome to the post-debate fracas. We've been up. We've we got we stayed up late. We got up early. We're trying to analyze the way that the news media handled this Fox Business, actually actual Fox News debate. I'm Newsbusters executive editor Tim Graham. With me, as often, uh, associate editor Nick Night Train Fonda Carroll, who was literally on the night train last night. Yeah, it's been a while since I've been, we've been doing the uh, the war rooms, and yeah, we were here, me and Kevin Tober, out here till like past one o'clock at night. Had to rush home, get to bed, and come in early for to watch the view again. Well, we'll get to that, <laughs> but I think the dominant impression we had we don't generally go into these debates and say which candidate was better than the other candidate that's not really our our bag mm-hmm. you know we might have those over lunch what are what who we thought was better or worse but we go into these saying how did the moderators do and we didn't really come in scared about this one although we knew that there was going to be an anchor woman from Univision um and surprise surprise she was a flaming liberal. Uh, mm-hmm. As Megan Kelly uh, tweeted during the debate, is this an MSNBC debate? Oh, yeah. Because I mean, they're really a series of questions. Um, Nick blogged this on Newsbusters. It promptly took off today. And uh, let's start with uh, your favorite topic, Nick, guns. Yeah. And that is uh, how she brought the notion of gun control or gun violence to the candidates yeah so as as we talked about on news we posted on newsbusters last night she she points out it's like mental mental health concerns are not unique to the united states but gun violence is which this is something that's just absolutely not true as as i point out in my piece there's a uh, central american and south american countries are some of the most dangerous countries in the world the media often cites the the crime the gangs the violence as a reason why they would Illegal come to America. They're, they're coming to America because it, it's just not safe, which Univ- one of Univision's big things is covering immigration. And it's like, you guys are, she's sort of being really hypocritical or just sort of obfuscating the truth about why it is that they're coming. And as I point out in, in this, uh, in my piece here, uh, in 2019, uh, there was an NPR uh, article that America that America's uh, crime rate per capita was 3.96 compared to other European countries. Yeah, it's high. But when it's, you compare it to Mexico, Mexico's is 16.41. And uh, Ilya Calderon's home country of Colombia has 26.36. Astronomically more than America. And if the question that I would have for her, if, if I was to sit down and question her is, if these countries are so safe, why are they coming here? It's that's the obvious thing. Well, Nick, they obviously need to come in here so they can get on a bus and be in safe cities like New York. Yeah. Uh, San Francisco, mm-hmm. D.C. D.C.'s got having a crime crisis in D.C. 200 murders this year so far. The uh, then there came the issue of fentanyl. Mm-hmm. Um, and the interesting thing here is she seemed to frame this question as if, well, there's all that there's this cartoon that this is just something that all of the Mexicans are pushing, or I, I mean, coming in from the Chinese. She had to try to put an American face on it. 
Oh, exactly. And uh, we have a clip for us, for you guys here. Let's take a listen to that. According to Customs and Border Protection, about 90% of fentanyl is seized at official border crossings. And 57% of the smugglers are U.S. citizens. How would you stop fentanyl brought into the country, mostly by U.S. citizens, through ports of entry? Now, Nick, I, mean, I think of the movie We Are the Millers. Yeah. <laughs> Where the Americans are, like, bringing in the, the drugs in an RV, uh, mm -hmm. you know. That's a movie, but yeah. it, it's this whole idea that somehow they have to say, well, there's American citizens involved. Well, yeah, it's obviously American. They would recruit American citizens to bring the stuff over because they can more easily get across the border and through customs, just showing American IDs, American passports or whatever to just come in. It's the point is to make it easier to come in. And part of her tea up there is saying that like 90% of the fentanyl seized comes at the border. One is how do we even know that that's all the fentanyl ever coming into the country? Right. Cause we know that they, the reason that that cartels uh, help facilitate illegal immigration is to tie up CB uh, customs and border protection uh, resources. And we know from interviewing traffickers and mules and coyotes and all this that they intentionally will send some of their product through the ports of entry so that way it does get caught and again it ties up resources and it really doesn't cut into their profits too much so the the, the idea that like we have all of this stuff coming in and we're only catching a fraction of it even so 90 percent like so if we were to believe what she says and that 90 percent of it is caught at the border that 10 percent is doing so much damage right and people know that and the networks did this big piece on the little boy in the daycare that died from having a little fentanyl under the mat. Uh, then there was the whole question of, you know, going after Ron DeSantis on the uh, AP Black History curriculum in Florida, where she again went after this to somehow suggest DeSantis is insensitive to, uh, to black people in America. Let's look. Governor DeSantis, I have a question for you. Florida's new Black History curriculum says, quote, slaves develop skills which in some instances could be applied for their personal benefit. You have said slaves develop skills in spite of slavery, not because of it. But many are still hurt. For the sentence of slaves, this is personal. What is your message to them? Now, Nick, the uh, the quote was accurate, but it's a quote that the Democrats plucked out of this curriculum. Mm -hmm. And even as the fact checkers like PolitiFact looked into this said, well, there's a lot of context around it that says, yes, they get a full blast in how awful slavery was. So don't make it sound like. Ron DeSantis wants to make put a happy face on it. Yeah, she, like she even points out, she's like, "Oh yeah, like you you've said stuff contrary to this that they've learned the skills despite slavery." But then she follows it up with, as we saw in the clip, "But many are still hurt." Yeah, you're yeah. you're an emotionally insensitive human being. Yeah, yeah, as opposed to like they're still hurt, but the the point is is that it's it was taken out of context. This was a a, a hoax, as Ron DeSantis put it perpetrated by Kamala Harris and then pushed by a whole a bunch of people on the left, some on the right who do want to take him down because they have, they prefer other candidates. But at the same time, it's, th this is something that is plucked out and he points out DeSantis in his, in his response is that this curriculum was made by black scholars, very intelligent people who, who, and he's like, Let's descendants of slaves, descendants of slaves. Let's stop playing these games. So, yeah, I, th I think that's important. And, you know, it, 
the the candidates can handle these questions. I think the candidates did handle these questions. The question is, this is supposed to be a Fox Business debate. You know, I had this small discussion with Mrs. Graham this morning. She said, well, you know, shouldn't shouldn't some of these questions get through? And I said, my point is simply the Democrats will not have a primary debate on Fox News. So why should the Republicans have a debate with Univision? Exactly. You know, so uh, then we go to, oh, let's ask Mike Pence about violence against the LGBTQ community. Let's give a listen to that. Vice President Pence. The Department of Homeland Security warns that violence against LGBTQ plus people is on the rise and intensifying. According to a recent study, members of that community are nine times more likely to be victims of violent hate crimes. As president, how would you protect this community from violent attacks and discrimination? Well, as president of the United States, I'll, I'll stand up for the safety uh, and the civil liberties of every American from every background. It's what I pointed out in my piece, which basically is, it's it's like she was kind of hoping for him to be like, yeah, screw them, like, like bash them. Like, like, it's because they know he's he's evangelical, a highly religious man who has his own beliefs about same-sex marriages and heterosexual marriages. They, it, it, She set it up almost like expecting him to just bash them and be like, yeah, let's commit hate crimes. Yeah, well, I, I mean, obviously, I think he, he handled it by saying, we're going to protect all Americans. I think that when you are the president of the United States, um, you want to say we want crime to be low. And so it wasn't that the it wasn't that the answer was bad, but the question was a leading question. And apparently the uh, GLAD, the mm-hmm. Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Debates uh, on their issues, <laughs> um, threw that question in and they got it into a Republican debate. Uh, so that's. That's quite a lineup. And then, of course, yes, she did also try to drag in the Dreamers. Uh, our mm-hmm. our our friend and colleague, Jorge Bonilla, was saying it would be refreshing if we didn't have the uh, the Spanish language network anchor brought in to ask the immigration question. Yeah, I, I just want to uh, congr- uh, commend Jorge because he predicted it in our piece, in his piece for MRC Latino. He basically... Uh, predicted almost every single one of her questions. He goes, expect Calderon to ask questions on immigration, gun control, and other items from the left-wing policy poo-poo platter. That's so. very, very Jorge. He yeah. loves the poo-poo platter. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, and then there was the question uh, about yeah. Mexico, Yeah. right? Was that to Nikki Haley? Yeah, that was to Nikki Haley because a lot of the candidates, her, uh, DeSantis, basically were just like, Part of our policy on fighting drug trafficking and fighting the cartels is to actually fight them, like send special forces down there to disrupt them, take them out literally. And she's just like, oh, what, what is like, like, what is this? Does this mean body boots on the ground, drone strikes? And she basically parrot, uh, parrots uh, criticism from the Mexican president where he calls th- those candidates and people who want the scoundrels and and Nikki Haley does the, the optimal thing, and or or I should say Calderon also points out, or, or at least claims that Mexico is such this such important trade partner and such an important partner on border security. And Nikki Haley points out, it's like you're not a good partner if you're letting these drugs come through and they're killing seventy five thousand Americans a year. Like I said earlier, with the like the ten percent that gets through 75,000 Americans are dying because Mexico is letting these drug drug cartels just operate with impunity. And 
she's like Mexico is letting them get away with what they're getting away with. And how is that a good partner? And this is where we have to underline again that as of present, as of the last few years, Univision is owned by a Mexican corporation. So um, for them to get defensive of Mexico as your trade partner, you know, there almost ought mm -hmm. to be a, a disclosure. Like, exactly. we're going to stick up for Mexico because our company's from Mexico. Yeah. Uh, but again, she handled the question just fine, but that's not the point. Yeah, that's like... This the, this New York Times headline here sort of describes what it is that we're sort of talking about. Ilda Calderon's question uh, stands out of the debate, but they also had another headline for it of catches Republicans off guard. Republicans weren't caught off guard. They they were throwing back her her false uh, premises for these questions right back at her. They were dealing with them fine enough. But what we said on this podcast previously is that Republicans shouldn't be relying on a hostile biased dishonest press to question them on republican policies when the 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 media themselves just disavow these policies in general so there are so many different republican and right-leaning media outlets you, you again we this is fox's second debate there's newsmax there's news nation news nation which is a, like they they're aiming themselves to be more of a center uh, news outlet which Univision is definitely not they're, they're definitely not and News Nation is still relatively new they haven't hosted a Republican debate and it would be kind of interesting just to sort of put a flag down let them do one just so as long as it's not Chris Cuomo Nick uh <laughs> yeah, yeah. On, 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 although he did do have uh he did do a town hall re this week from East Palestine so he is covering stuff that were sure. big Republican things and doing stuff that the rest of the liberal media are sort of forgetting. But again, coming up, the, the third debate that we're, I, I don't know if you say we're looking forward to it. Or, no. <laughs> we're, we're not looking forward to it because we know it's going to be biased, but we're kind of half looking forward to it because it's it's giving us the show, show our listeners more of what we're talking about when we're talking about a biased press. The third debate is being hosted by NBC. But you know the way that the Republicans came after uh the Fox debate last night, you could hear it. People were talking about it today in the spin room was that the candidates really were unhappy with the tone and tenor of the questions. And this is where we have to underline. In America, the Democrats never have to worry about hostile questions at a Democratic primary debate. In fact, in this cycle, Democrats don't even have to have a debate. That's mm -hmm. okay with them. They'll all say, hey, we're fine with not having any debates because debates might be harmful to President Biden. So we're not having any, and we're fine with that. So, the, the, you know, we did have, I would say, Nick, Mehdi Hassan tweeted, you know, he was upset that, oh, they didn't ask about Trump's properties and the way they were evaluated. And it's like, yeah, liberals all want to get in there and throw in all of the questions they want to. And we are saying it's a Republican debate. Let's ask questions on the issues that Republican voters care about wouldn't that be refreshing? Yeah. And then we get into the reaction where it's Rachel Maddow and MSNBC reacting to it. Of course, they love Calderon's questions. Especially the LGBT. Uh, yeah, like Rachel Maddow being a, a lesbian herself uh, in a same-sex same relationship. She, she loves that question. And MSNBC definitely doesn't have any sort of hearts out for pence in any way right i mean they were I, i'm sure they were hoping that that was going to be a more damaging question for pence yeah and you know he obviously i think was he was ready for it 
maybe it caught him off guard, but I think he was ready for it. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, the, his answer didn't show up this morning in all the clips. Yeah, the only the only time I really saw his answer show up was, um, I believe it was for the, the the view where they were basically pointing out it's like oh he had like this this sort of pivot flip flop of a of of an answer where first he says oh I don't want them to be harmed in any way like we're gonna defend them and then also oh hey we're going we we we're gonna ban the the mutilations the surgeries and the chemicals right. and the hormones and all that stuff where it's like yeah we can protect people's lives and also not mutilating their bodies is good yeah i mean and but i think that that was described his answer was described as a chilling threat and it's like yeah. why is he saying i'm not oh. going to cut off your penis a chilling threat uh, you know especially again these are all they're always talking about children people who are under 18 who we're going to presume they might regret that. We obviously have a number of people who regret their transitions. Mm -hmm. And ju just to be clear, I just uh, remember it wasn't the view that said that. It was Maddow's reaction last night. But to, to point out what you said uh, just now, that was part of the view's reaction where you had uh, Sarah Haynes today just sort of saying that she was getting emotional listening to them talk about trans people, saying like they don't understand the issue. And she basically attacks people who are detransitioning or people who ha regret doing the thing she's like oh they're just activists like trying to push a thing well what, it's, it's like, well, what, what do are, you think this is like, yeah, what are the liberals exactly. they're not activists they're just caring people i mean this is one of those things that is the most annoying about the field of media bias is yeah. that the liberals are never you know they're never agitators or they're only going to be agitators if that's if they think it sounds good Mm -hmm. uh, but usually they're, you know, equality advocates fight face down the ultra conservative far right wackos. You know, it's the way that they do that. So um, speaking of Mano for a second um, and then Morning Joe, what I thought was most interesting, Nick, about some of this post debate reaction was Rachel Maddow said she's the most skilled, effective candidate among all these non viable candidates. And then Morning Joe comes on this morning and says, oh, she was the best, you know, and it's like. Is that really going to help that's, her? That's that's what uh, Alyssa's take was too, where she's just like everybody wasn't good, but Nikki Haley's the best. But then you still have the rest of them are just like she's a hypocrite, like or Sonny Hostin herself, who just has it really out for her, Nikki Haley because Nikki Haley is a a minority Republican mm -hmm. and she does not like those. Like she's <laughs> basically like because Sonny's whole thing is like if you're a minority and not voting Democrat, you're a race traitor, you're an oxymoron, all this other things. So basically, the, a lot of them are being like Nikki Haley is the op is the optimal one. But at the same time, there's still this undertone of like, we, we were getting angry listening to it this morning where it was like George Stephanopoulos on ABC. Who right. Was just like, hey, this, this is, why are we even having these debates? Right. Which is what we talked about after the last debate on this podcast. Yes. Where it's like, they want this thing over so that they have the, they, they want a, they want a repeat of 2020 because they think that that's going to be, the outcome is going to be the same. Like they're picking their, their, the candidates they want to go up against and they're just tired and done of republicans trying to exercise democratic principles and pick who they want to represent them i think what they're saying nick if we may be so bold is 
we don't really want to focus on what Republican candidates have to say. I don't like events like this where Republicans get to trash Democrats. Let's cancel all the ones that come afterwards. And this is where it does look like the Trump campaign and the liberal media are in some sort of freakish alliance where they're both like, we don't need any more debates. Yeah, like we like we heard um like with ABC, this this seems to be an ABC in general because we we had we saw it on Good Morning America and then later on on the View, where they basically they they, they suggest no there there was no policy discussed. Yeah, that's bizarre. There, Trump never there was no criticism of Trump from the candidates, which is also wrong. Yeah, like you had Chris Christie going after him all the time. Ron DeSantis, who really came at it swinging against him, saying he was. Um, uh, uh, well, on abortion, m- m- yeah, on abortion, missing in action. So, and then you had like Nikki Haley laying out all of her different policy proposals, and Republicans saying these are the policy proposals we're going with with uh, transgenderism, the border, drug trafficking, crime, and to as much as I I get on Alyssa Ferris' case on on the View or the the like I call it the faux conservative. She, she at least pointed out to the viewcast, it's like, you may not agree with Republican policy proposals. That doesn't mean they didn't discuss policy. Right. Right? So it's like, you disagree with what these things are. Doesn't mean they didn't talk about it in any way. And, you, of course, you had Whoopi just basically going, it's like, I didn't hear what I wanted to hear. <laughs> you're not going to vote for them anyway. Like, you're never going to hear what you want to hear. And I'm not going to hear what I want to hear when I listen to Democrat debates. Like, Well, I think that we would come at a Democrat debate and say, wouldn't it be nice if a Democrat moderator actually asked them a question? Let's say, for example, from, yeah. like, uh, and this wasn't a debate, but on Sunday, Margaret Brennan has AOC on and she says, you're driving a Tesla, which is a non-union automobile. And just make talk about somebody who was caught off guard. Yeah, uh, but, you know, that's kind of interesting. So I'm not I wouldn't say that a moderator shouldn't ask DeSantis about what he did in Florida or any of the candidates asking yeah. them about their records. But we all know there's a way to do that. That's sort of respectful. That's not like gotcha. You know, mm-hmm. I gotcha. That's what what you end up resenting. So yeah. we so we have this. Nobody talked about policy. Nobody attacked Trump. And the other thing they're all running around saying is, well, nobody stood out. These are like the seven dwarves. You know, they're trying to say, well, look, because there wasn't much movement in the polls after the last debate. There, 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 there was some movement, like people, like some Nikki Haley went up a bunch. It's like no movement. Asa Hutchinson wasn't there. Like somebody <laughs> got cut off. Yeah. Like, like there, there's movement. <laughs> well... Yes, they they had that stupid survivor question. We yeah, haven't brought that up yet. Question, like, where where oh they were like, God. you know, get out your marker and write down who you would like to, which I, candidate you'd like to eliminate. Like that is like, like I just want to say kudos to DeSantis for being like that's disrespectful to my other my other competitors here. Like we're not doing this. Speaking up for all of them, and Nikki Haley just being like. Are, are you serious right now? Like, <laughs> like, what is this question? And there was just like a series of questions, even from the Fox qu- moderators that are just like, Stu and Varney being like 1% at income inequality. Right. Like, almost that something. was a surprise. That, yeah, a, a big surprise there. And then, because, and that was like one of like the uh, I think, earliest, one of the earliest questions. Yeah. And then the, and then one of his other one of their other follow questions was just to to one other candidate like, do you agree with this? So it, it's it's just sort of I mean, that's kind of a standard thing, but it depends on whether you're you're doing something that's just 
I mean, that's kind of a Jim Lehrer question. And now, what say you on that topic? But yeah. it, but but it it again, they came into this and they they were caught off guard that they were getting a bunch of these left wing questions. And yes, I think a lot of people out in the audience don't want one of these. Raise your hand if you're voting for Trump if he's in prison, if he's yeah. on death row. And th- then, yeah, this question is like, I think the other joke answer would be like, well, do we get to all go off to the woods and whisper to each other and figure out which candidate we're going to eliminate? I mean, it's it's and the such a... The mo- and like all the candidates have torches in front of them. And then they, <laughs> they come out and they extinguish the torch. It's like, goodbye. Or we can or we can just make it into like uh, the weakest link. You are the weakest link. Goodbye. Yeah, I just uh, that's that's just a terrible thing. And so yeah. it's just this whole idea of uh them trying to do something cutesy because yeah. they want a they want a clip like that for social media. And I th- there was definitely a clip for social media and them just saying no. Well, yeah. And I just yes, I wish moderators would just not try to do gimmicks like that where yeah. people have to raise their hands or write something out of their magic marker, you know, just just yeah. just pass on it for all of us let's discuss this for one second nick and that is i know that the average voter hates it when these guys all start talking over each other on the other hand you have to think that these guys have their campaign managers going don't let them talk over you keep talking like the advice is no make it a total mess like the first trump biden debate yeah like one of the one of the people that stood out to me was like Bergam because early on Bergam when he wasn't getting any questions he was just like making sure he got an answer in on a lot of different questions and one of the moderators I think it was Dana was like we're gonna ask you questions and I feel like he like he got so like he may have gotten the fewest questions of any of the other candidates on the stage well, at, least was, it, at least it felt like it and it, it was they were slow to get to DeSantis I think we were twelve or thirteen minutes in and people on Twitter were like. Hey, wait, when does DeSantis get a question? Yeah, because usually isn't it like the person in the center of the stage gets the first question and then it was just like Tim Scott all the way to the right. You would think. And so and that's the other point is that when you have a system that you attack somebody, then they get to attack you back. And then, yeah, so early on, it was like Tim Scott's getting all the time. I mean, everybody can always complain about their time. And yes. You're right. Your campaign manager would say, if you're not getting a question, just start talking. But, you know, I think that that's one of those things that on behalf of all of the the Republican candidates, at some point, one of you has got to stop talking, uh, you know, mm-hmm. and the moderators, that is their role is to get in and, and tell you to do that. But I was sort of upset at this whole notion that, you know, why, why are we having these debates? Nobody st- stood out. Nobody distinguish themselves and i thought we got a lot of good conservative answers and mm-hmm. they're the sort of thing that's if you have independent voters who are watching these things they're going to get a better idea of what republicans actually think about things and the solutions that they would actually propose so i would just say yes if you look at the polls you can say well trump's ahead 40 call it a day i just it's so early you know obviously in other cycles, it's been early. Now, we know that Sonny Hostin said, you know, I don't want them to do any polls until Trump's on trial and Georgia on TV or something. Yeah. Well, we, I, I think people were looking to see if Trump was punished by the Republican voters in any way for being a no-show. That didn't happen last time. We're probably going to guess it's not going to happen this time. And now there's word that he's going to skip the next one. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the answer is he's going to keep skipping him until he actually gets punished for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, we'll we'll see how that turns out. Let's talk for a minute, Nick, about this morning and uh, the beginning of uh, we we are recording on Thursday. If you if you were, <laughs> just so you know, because we wanted to do that immediate post debate, especially thing. considering that we, we we've been referring to last night. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We want to underline for people. Uh, that we are doing this on Thursday to be immediate and, and put a chunk get, of this out on video so you can look at it. Yeah, and we, we just want to pre-record it just so we can get all of our, like everything is just fresh in our heads. It's it's the media's immediate reaction after the fact and their spin immediately after the fact. And So yeah. I wanted to bring up yeah. the Thursday morning impeachment chatter. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, you know, so we were recording before the, the whole th- uh, Thursday hearing today but we just wanted to underline that obviously for one i saw ryan nobles on morning joe this morning and he was trying really hard to say well you there's no crime here because if biden was taking thousands of dollars at his house well he wasn't running for president at the time he took thousands of dollars at his house from china so i mean this is where they do this thing where they're like it's not a scandal well, now, even if it's a scandal, it's not a it's not a crime. I mean, the spin is so enthusiastic, but it looks like nobody's beaten Stephanopoulos today. Oh yeah, it's his history with the Clintons. So it's like, of course, he's going to have an opinion and say stuff about impeachments of Democrats. It's like he's back in Ken Starr mode, where it's like, <laughs> come and get him. Yeah, we're going to bimbo patrol all of our our opponents. Uh, and yeah, what did he say? It's an impeachment with no evidence. Yeah, again, he's like the first impeachment inquiry into a president, Biden, despite no evidence of an impeachable offense. It's the first time there was an impeachment without evidence. I, I, I just want to bring up that these are the people that was just like they need to impeach Trump for the January 6th stuff, impeach him for the Ukraine right. conversation. But then praise these deep investigations by the Department of Justice where they uncovered all this other stuff later, supposedly. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like. We need to impeach him now but and hold this impeachment trial. But there was all this other evidence left that you're now praising later that the Democrats didn't have on the table. So you're, you're we're praising a rushed Democratic-ran impeachment trial that didn't have all the evidence. Well, this was my problem with what Ryan Nobles was trying to say, which is like, well, you have to have a crime. And it, what did they say in the first impeachment of Trump? Well, we don't need to have a crime. It's just that he obstructed Congress and he basically suggested to the president of Ukraine, you better uh, investigate Hunter Biden or I'm going to cut off your money. Well, what on earth did Joe Biden go to Ukraine and say? You better sack this Shokin guy or we're going to cut off your money. Yeah. That was not impeachable. On you know Nobody impeached the vice president over that. And this yeah. is where, to me, the intriguing thing about just this impeachment inquiry, we haven't gotten a full-blown impeachment yet, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Obviously, the George Stephanopoulos of the world are very upset because they wanted the four indictments with the 91 counts and they can't stop talking about that. And when the House says, OK, I'm going to I'm going to trump you huh, with some Biden <laughs> with some Biden impeachment. And they're like, no, you have no evidence. Um, and it's like this is where I'm like, hey, there's a lot of things they've done against Trump where they didn't have evidence. They had talk of P tapes. You know, they had phony mm-hmm. dossiers. One of the things that our friend Bonchi at Red State likes to bring up all the time, and he's been bringing it up since then, it's like the liberals are just like, there is no evidence or, or uh, 
like he he was getting he was like Hunter Biden was just getting a paycheck at the house. Like, what's wrong with that? Well, what was he getting his paycheck for? That like that's that's one of the things I've brought up on this podcast a couple of times where it's just like ask the question of what service was he providing? What good or service were all of these Biden shell companies providing to these foreign entities that they were paying them? A good or service must be exchanged. Right. And that's where, to me, it's like, they, they, yeah, they all run around and scream no evidence. And uh, why were the LLCs created? To hide the evidence. You know, we can't find any payments to Joe. Well, obviously, they're ignoring these texts where Hunter Biden says, you know, I'm, I'm giving half of my salary to pop. You yeah. know, there's 10% for the big guy. All of these things are always like, brr, 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 no evidence. We're, you know, don't don't pay any attention to that over there. And so this week, like, it's, why, the, it's, the, it's the wire with the address of Biden's home in, in Wilmington. And they're like, still no evidence. And, and during, and we got to remember, the time frame for that wire to the home in Wilmington, that was during a time when Hunter was not living there. So, right. so, so it's not like it was going straight to Hunter. It's going to somebody else at that address. It's well, they, I think it was Ian Sams that was running around saying he was there during the pandemic. There was no pandemic in 2019. Yeah, ex exactly. And I also want to point out where they're just like, oh, he was he was like, yeah, well, not just that he was there during that. It's like, well, like a lot of people, Hunter was living with his parents during the pandemic to save on rent or whatever. The Biden, like the idea that you're going to try to frame the Bidens as average Joe Americans. Right. Like they, they while they're to, taking tens of millions of dollars in from China yeah. and Ukraine or the, and or, Romania and he's Kazakhstan. A, he, he, and, he, and he's a, he's a politician like these. These are people that are that have wealth of resources, literally. Yeah. And, well, they have wealth because they're they're trading yeah. influence with our with with hostile countries to America is the this is one of those areas where you can just see that these people are engaged in Democrat partisan messaging and not journalism. Exactly. And like, we're going to be like, oh, he loves his son. He loves his son. <laughs> well, why didn't he just pay his rent for him? If he just like wherever he was living, just pay his son's rent for him. Unless when we look at it, it's these, these, these massive condos and penthouses, like in Miami or someplace that are like, like massive big time, like rental annual rent fees and stuff like that. So it's like, if, if he reloaded this, why isn't he paying his rent? Like, well, I mean, part of this is if you're going to say, well, Joe Biden never took any money directly. That's what they're trying to claim. Yeah. Look, let's let's stipulate. Let's play this game. All right. So if Joe Biden's running around with the Chinese and the Ukrainians and what happens is you've enriched his family. What Comer's found is there were payments to like nine or ten Bidens. So if you're enriching Hunter Biden, Jim Biden... Uh, you know, Ashley Biden, other Biden, this Biden, that Biden, Frank Biden. Uh, he, he's still running a family business, even if you can't find a check with his name on it. And so that's the interesting thing is that they really what they really don't want to do is acknowledge there's such a thing as a Biden scandal. It's the same game we got with Obama, where we came to the end of eight years and, you know, CNN's running around saying, and Obama never really had a scandal. You know, which is preposterous. Yeah, and he's never had a scandal. And again, this like what what we've been saying for months. This is all because it's like set up for twenty twenty four. They need to keep him as clean as possible and set up the 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 twenty a repeat of twenty twenty rematch. Just because they they need it to be a certain way, end the debates. 
Trump, Biden is clean. Trump is the dirtiest ever. And because they need it to be, they, they need the matchup to be a certain way. So that way they can try to replicate the results of the last time, which what like we found in our poll uh, after the 2020 election, our Newsbusters poll or uh, MRC poll, that you're, you're going to lie enough that there will be a small margin of people that won't have all the information, vote a certain way and might regret the way they voted later. It's And it's not that they're going to trick a whole mass of like 10% of the population. It's one, two, 3% enough in certain districts to right. have a swing in certain states to swing it a certain way. And all of the winner take all electoral votes by just a couple percentage points. So this is where I just would like to conclude with this whole notion that people generally voters are not going to follow every tiny little piece of a scandal, whether it's a Trump scandal and the alpha bank and the whatever, and everybody's yeah. eyes glaze over. Same thing with the Trump's, you know, you could go in and say, how many times have these people use the term Rosemont Seneca Partners? They just generally don't, but people's mm -hmm. eyes would glaze over anyway. What they're trying to do is create an image, yeah. which is Trump's a crook and Biden just loves his son. That's the way they want it. Instead of what they're afraid of is you can't say Biden is a criminal like Trump. So, so a thing that I just thought of is basically it's like they're almost saying that Trump doesn't love his kids. Where it's like the, well, they, the, the, the argument can just be the reverse of, oh, Trump does all this stuff because he's trying to set up an empire to leave to his kids later so that they're well off later. Things they've never said. Right. I mean, I mean yeah. well, Nick, we all know Republicans don't love their children. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's kind of the dumb. That's why that spin is so dumb. Especially when it's the, especially when the spin is like Don Jr. is the smart son and Eric Trump's the stupid son. Like well, yeah. in the Bidens, they, this was where's the, Tiffany and all these jokes. This is where the whole drama comes with with Bo Biden and Hunter Biden is that Bo Biden was the favorite. Hunter Biden was the black sheep who was always getting in trouble, you mm -hmm. know, and that dynamics carried through the entire time is that Bo never embarrassed us like Hunter embarrasses us with this laptop. And that's probably where he was like, I don't know if it's my laptop. Then he goes and sues for Giuliani for having the laptop. Yeah. Anyway, we just wanted to say uh, we're on all of this from debates to impeachment inquiries. And that's why you come to Newsbusters once, twice, 24 times a day. Thanks for listening.